Hey everybody, welcome to Real Marketing. This morning we're going to be talking to Jason Pecker. Uh, Jason it runs Quantable Analytics. It's a small consultancy focused on growth stage companies looking to mature their data practices. Prior to Quantable, Jason held a wide range of jobs in IT, Unix sysadmin, ISP network tech, SEO specialist, front-end engineer. And currently, Jason has recently published a book on Google Analytics Alternatives that takes a look at 15 of the top choices in the space and how to choose between them, which if anybody has been using Google Analytics 4, I'm sure they're ripe for looking for other products. So Jason, how are you doing? And thanks for joining us. Yeah, I'm doing well. Uh, thanks for having me on the show. Happy to have you. Um, like I said, uh, you know, I think a lot of people right now are, especially um, analysts who've been used to Google's products in the past, because you know they're they're free. Uh, at least the uh, the free version that Google 360 obviously isn't free, but um, you know they got very used to a certain type of platform, and GA4 is a significant uh, change from what they're used to. There's a lot of bugs still. There's a lot of inconsistencies in how the data is presented and the reporting. Um, and it looks like Google is actually trying to push people towards paid uh, services by only giving them, you know, 14 months back data, um, you know, uh, throttling um, Looker Studio, formerly Data Studio, so that you have to use um, BigQuery to kind of store your data, which is obviously a paid tool. So I think there's a lot of industry frustration with Google right now and this move to GA4. Yeah. Um, are you seeing the same thing with, with your clients and using it yourself? Yeah, I mean, I think a, a lot of the uh, a lot of the confusion and a lot of the upset comes from just the, the, the idea that it's like GA4. You think, oh, well, it's gonna be like GA3, but just a little different. And, you know, maybe maybe I can click a button to upgrade and uh, and instead, it's really a completely different type of product. It's, uh, you know, I consider it sort of more of a product analytics product more than just a traditional web analytics product. So, you know, people that are coming from, uh, you know, using universal analytics and a history of, of uh, implementing and working with that data just, you know, are, are confused and uh, a little frustrated, you know, and a lot of people like... right. You know, a lot of people are out there saying like, oh, GA4 is a terrible product, you know, like, uh, I can't believe Google would put out something so, so awful. And I'm not one of those people. I don't really think that, that GA4 is a bad product. I think it's uh, uh, pretty good, or at least that it has like a lot of potential to be good. Um, but that most of, most of my frustration and a lot of my, my clients' frustration comes from uh, just how different it is. Uh, you know, if, if Google put out, I say a lot of times in the book, like if Google put it out, uh, GA4, they didn't call it GA4, they called it Google Product Analytics. And, you know, UA continued to exist. There'd be a lot of people going like, oh, wow, this Google uh, Product Analytics platform is great. You know, I can, you know, put data straight into to BigQuery without having to pay for 360. I can uh, better unify my, my mobile and uh, my web stats. You know, it's got a really powerful data collection method. Um but that's of course not what they did. So you know, I, I feel like uh, most of the most of my complaints are really about how they have been rolling it out and the fact that they are discontinuing uh, universal analytics before a lot of people are, are ready ready for them to do that. Um, 
and of course they've given a lot of uh, advance notice, but still, you know, people just aren't aren't sort of believing that it's actually going away. Yeah, we've seen that where people have just kind of ignored it, and uh, they're still you know scratching and clawing and using the uh, universal analytics and, and not moving over. Um, yeah, and I agree with you. I think uh, you know one of the big things that um, we're seeing is that it's just not as easy to get to some of the data that or it's not as intuitive, I should say, about how to get to some of the reporting and data or, you know, the necessity to actually build, explore reports to really yeah. get and drill down to the data that you want that is, you know, so different from what they're used to with universal analytics. Um, there has definitely been some bugs that we've run into, obviously, with trying to do reporting that certain metrics are not available um, in Looker Studio, for instance, that are available in... Um, you know, the, the regular reports within, um, you know, GA4. So, yeah, yeah, um, I agree. It isn't really just like, um, uh, you know, that, that is just different. It's also with the rollout that like, it's not exactly ready. I mean, you know, I always still sort of consider it borderline beta like that, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that, uh, that things are changing really quickly. I mean, they are they are adding a lot of a lot of features, a lot of changing metrics, things like that. Um, and you'd like to see that happen before they announce the switch, right? Instead of like, oh, you know, if you're not already using GA4 for your primary reporting at this point, you're you're pretty far behind the curve here because, you know, July first, you're not going to be able to like A B your uh your results and be like oh something is wrong let me check on ua and see you know see if it's a problem where the problem is uh but so it all just you know sort of happened on a very compressed timeline uh and you know like i said part of that is 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 google's communicating with that and but that part of that is people's sort of unwillingness to believe that things are really gonna gonna change um yeah well google does have a history of kind of changing course and yeah. doing things by surprise but you know and i think the other the other issues are is that you know there's a lot of the definitions in the data is are different so you can't really compare compare year over year unless you already had ga4 implemented back in july of last year um you know or or before that um you know so that that um you know the, the definitions about what a session is or a user and all of those things are different um, so I think that, you know, that's a little off-putting for some people. The product is not, especially if you're dealing with like small, medium businesses, um, which a lot of my clients are, are startups or, you know, people that are in, in growth stage and they don't have dedicated analytics teams. And, you know, you don't have somebody like, oh, I've got somebody on my team that knows BigQuery and is building out, you know, these Looker, uh, Looker dashboards, uh, you know, that's one thing, but if you're a small business and you like mostly deal with analytics in a reactive way, like you're going into to UA, oh, something, my sales are down, I wonder what's up, I'm going into UA and like sort of doing more ad hoc analysis and I'm not in any sort of stretch a, a specialist in analytics, then you know, GA4 mm-hmm. just, that's not necessarily the product for you. And that's sort of what I was trying to do with my book is to say like move away from considering GA to be the default for everyone. Um, you know, GA4 is still going to be obviously very widely used and it's going to be a good solution for a lot of people. But I don't like this idea that like 
that's what you install, right? You set up a website and you install GA. I, I would uh, try and do encourage with my book people to say, I've got a website. What's the right fit for me? Just like any other tool, you know, like what's, uh, what's the right tech stack for me? You know, what's, our, what's the right CMS? What's the right web host or whatever, rather than just not really thinking about the decision and going straight to GA. No, I think that's a great uh, point. And, you know, I mean, well, most of our larger clients, our enterprise size clients, um, you know, are using Adobe Analytics and have for years and, you know, formerly Omniture back in the day. I think I'm dating myself by pulling that name out. Oh, that, uh, that's, um, yeah, that's not too bad. I was just uh, having a, disc you know, made a LinkedIn comment talking about the Mosaic browser. So I've been, I've been around to uh, <laughs> Right. Um, so the, you know, a lot of our enterprise clients are in the Adobe sphere using a lot of the Adobe products, obviously for most small to medium sized businesses, the pricing for that is, um, way outside what they're going to spend or would be willing to spend. Um, what did kind of prompt you to start looking at alternatives? Was it a need, um, from your clients or just tired of that default for, for Google Analytics? Yeah, I'd say it was a mix of things. Um, I've, I've definitely used a lot of these uh, alternatives before in the past. Uh, you know, I've used uh, Mitomo and uh, and Clicky um, and some of the others that I, that I talk about for for you know in production in the past. So it wasn't like you know there's the UA turned down and then like oh let's consider alternatives. I had sort of been considering some of these alternatives uh, for years. Um, but you know the the sort of the impetus for the book was this desire to get it get a sort of unbiased deep view into what the the field of options were because on the one hand there's so many options you know there's there's hundreds and hundreds of of different options and it feels like every week there's a new one you know um it's not hard to build a a, a simple you know light GA alternative type product uh, so like every week there's a new one coming out. But when I started the book, you know, if you uh, tried to do that research, you, you would really only come up with a few different types of, of, uh, of reporting on this. You'd come up with like people that uh, are vendors talking about their, you know, lists of here's 10 great Google Analytics alternatives. Oh, ours is number one, but that, you know, but we're totally unbiased. Um, or, right. you know, like, or people just sort of doing it for SEO purposes where they would list, you know, here's the top 30 GA alternatives and they've just, they've never used any of them and they're, and they're sort of quoting from uh, marketing copy from those sites. And so I, I wanted, you know, the, the research from actually someone that actually had used the products and was independent. And I was like, okay, well, why not me? I can do that. Um, and so that's, that's sort of, you know, that's how how the uh, the book started, and uh, um, you know it just seemed like a, a timely timely subject. Absolutely, it. Yeah. So, to talk to me about like because many of those products are paid products, right? I mean, that's the appeal of Google Analytics historically is that it's it's a pretty highly functioning uh, analytics tool that is free essentially. Um, did you have to go pay for a lot of those tools to test them, and what was that process? Yeah, I did. Um, so first of all, I paid for a couple of websites. So I wanted to actually run, you know, this on real websites with real user data. 
rather than like, you know, sign up. And even some of these that have like trial versions that you can use with uh, uh, some sort of example data, that example data is is not really as real um, or it's, you know, here's the best case scenario for our tool. Uh, so I wanted to run this on real websites, but I didn't want to be like, hey, client, I'm going to install 15 different analytics tools on your site. Hope you're cool with that. So uh, I started this whole process by buying a couple of uh, websites through Flippa, which is an on online, uh, uh, like, you know, business brokerage. Uh, bro yeah. yeah, thank you. Um, and uh, so I bought a couple of sites that had, you know, decent amount of traffic. And then I uh, bought some of these products. Some of them I used the free trial, uh, you know, for something like, like Snowplow, there wasn't really a an option to get a like, you know, uh, it's quite expensive and it's a, you know, and more of an enterprise tool. So I use the trial for that versus like some of the others like Matomo and Plausible that don't have trials at all. I, I just paid for the product. Yeah. What, how did, what was the selection criteria like when you were looking at like, say the top 15 tools, is it just the ones that have the most kind of visibility or how did you make that selection? Yeah. And this, this is a good question because this is a really important part of my process is that I wanted to have a method, a rigorous methodology in order to pick these tools rather than being like, here's, okay, here's three that I'm familiar with. Here's three that are, you know, popular in the industry and people are talking about. And so that's why I worked from, uh, you know, what was most used currently. So I used, uh, stats from built with. And uh, that, you know, spider the internet and say like, okay, here's all the sites that are using Matomo because I've detected their their sensor on the page, uh, their tracker on the page. Right. So I started from, you know, a list of all the top ones uh, by usage. And then I filtered it down a little bit. Uh, like I excluded ones that didn't have uh, any way for me to get into the product without going through enterprise onboarding, which didn't really make sense for, for me. Um, so like, that's why I don't include Adobe, which is, you know, that's the one that the most people have requested that, uh, that I don't have. So, you know, like why didn't you include tool X is definitely the most common feedback that I've gotten. Um, even though I do include quite a few, you know, quite a few tools, there are a few like, like Adobe and, uh, piano analytics that didn't have any really way to get into the product other than, you know, buying the full enterprise version and going through enterprise onboarding and things like that, which is not something I wanted to do. Um, so, uh, and then I did also exclude Yandex and Baidu because I didn't think it was appropriate to include those. Um, so I had the, but this, uh, the, the methodology I used just like anything that has more than 0.1% uh, installation base within the top 1 million websites. So it doesn't, point one doesn't sound like a lot, but that, that is, uh, you'd be surprised at some of the ones you hear people talk about frequently that don't even have that level of, of installation base. So, sure. uh, you know, so I wanted to like be pretty rigorous in terms of, of, uh, picking which ones I used. So like I didn't miss things like, for example, um, I reviewed Chartbeat. um, even though it's not one that you really hear people talk about because it's kind of a niche product for uh, uh, the publishing industry. But if you're in the publishing industry, it's like a gotta have one. So like 
Um, I didn't see a reason to exclude it, so I included it. I mean, I, I talk in my review about how like this only really, this is a particular tool that's geared for uh, the publishing industry, geared for real-time analytics. So, you know, if that's you, then great, check out this product. If you're an e-commerce site, then it's totally irrelevant to you. Um, so I still consider that to be somewhat of a general anal- a general tool enough to include it. Uh, but it isn't one that I would have included if I was just like, hey, name the, the top 10 or 15 tools out there. Um, yeah, so that's that's basically how I picked. What are you seeing as some of the major differences? Like if you use Google Analytics as kind of the baseline that most people would be familiar with, what are some of the um, major differences some of these other tools bring to the game that might be better or might even be worse than, than what people would be used to with Google? Yeah, um, there's... I broke things down into three different categories of products. So I broke them down into like traditional web analytics tools, things like, you know, universal analytics. Um, and I also put Matomo and uh, Puet Pro in there. Um, and these are things that like really match the page view based, uh, like paradigm that we're, that we're used to. Um, and that can be like, you know, really still good for a lot of people. Like there's a lot more development in product analytics, and that's my second category, product analytics. And that's, you know, things like like Amplitude or uh, PostHog, um, things that are event-based. Um, and then the third category that I have is, is simplified analytics, um, which are things like, like Plausible or Fathom or Cloudflare that are like really very basic. And the thing that, you know, I see when people talk about Google Analytics alternatives is that people say, oh, what's the best Google Analytics alternative? And there isn't really one right. answer for that. There's the, what's the best for your particular site and use case. And like, you know, that could be like, could be Pubic Pro if you're like, you know, doing something where Universal Analytics was a good fit and you're a bigger website, um, you know, that could be your best alternative. And that's still very much in that that universal analytics mold versus like, you know, if you're a small content website, if you need a like, um, you know, like my own website for my company, just a few pages of content and some blog articles, I use Plausible for that. And that's a great fit because, you know, I don't I don't need more more data. Uh, so there are those real sort of trends where what was once like, well, everybody used web trends, everybody used Omniture or, right. or Urchin or GA that were all, they're all kind of similar. And now, you know, there's the web does so many, many different things and there's so many different types of tools that specialization has, has occurred. And we've got like a lot of different, different possible paths to go down. And GA is just one of those. From a, I know Google has done a lot of work, especially with, um, you know, some of the data restrictions and laws in Europe and California and places like that, they're doing a lot of work with data modeling to try to ensure a more accurate reporting. Are you seeing that kind of investment or um, functionality with some of these other tools? Yeah, that's, uh, this, I feel like that's a two-part question. Like the first is when you talked about, uh, uh, you know, regulation and the EU, like that's, been interesting with the book is that it's really been much more popular in the EU, even though, you know, 
I'm obviously uh, based in the U.S. and American, um, but and that's where most of my contacts are. But there are a lot more people looking to switch in the EU because of regulation. Uh, so you know, everyone's asking like, "Oh, is Google Analytics illegal?" Um, and, and like, that's a kind of hard question to give a yes/no answer for. But it does mean that if you're in, you know, under GDPR in the EU. So then you could say that people in the U.S. are under the GDPR as well in some ways, but um, you know that's like uh, it's a much bigger concern there, and so the idea of using something other than Google is a bigger, bigger issue and a more pressing issue. Uh, and but like as far as your specific question about like modeling happening on other platforms, um, yes and no. I mean. Again, it's a sort of multiple paths question where you've got some of these tools like uh, that are focused on tools that don't need consent and don't need or, you know, likely don't need consent. I hate to say it like, you know, don't need consent at all, but, uh, you know, something like, um, like again, I'm not talking about plausible that, you know, it uses user agent and IP and then hashes that. Um, and then like rotates the salt that they use for the hash every day. So there is really no concept of a recurring user beyond that one day. And so they don't really need to do that kind of uh, modeling because, you know, if they're, they're able to capture most of the data to start with. Um, they're still subject to, to ad blockers, of course. Of course, you can work around that, but... Um, you know that uh, that's so that's not as big a thing um on some of the other ones where they really do need uh you know they're still they're they're ones that are cookie based and really likely do need consent um you know you do see that trend but i think google is sort of in the lead on that for better or for worse um you know i don't love the idea of defaulting to to data driven attribution for within GA4, I think that's like, that's going to bite a lot of people after that switch happens and they don't realize some of these changes that have been made for them. Um, and, you know, even if you could, you might argue that, hey, like, these modeled uh, conversions are more accurate, um, you know, web analytics data has always been directional. It's, we've always been missing some of the data, whether it was back in the day people didn't run JavaScript or if it was you know, people running ad blockers, you know, uh, and now it's people, those things, plus people that haven't given their consent. Um, we've always been, you know, uh, it's always been directional data. It's always been missing information. Uh, and so, like, this idea of, like, well, now we're modeling based on what we think the missing information is, you're sort of introducing more complexity to something that's already pretty complex. Um, you know, I, I would... My personal preference is to, when when possible, use like the "quote unquote" real numbers rather than the the model numbers. Because um, you know you're talking the model numbers, you're like, well, this is a model number, but it's actually only based on some of the data, anyways. So right. you know, you're just adding like um, caveat on top of caveat with with some of this this stuff. And um, I understand why it's being done, and so it is. It is necessary, I think. But uh, you know, my my preference would be uh, instead of like trying to collect 
more data and then modeling what you miss, try to collect less data in a way that you can collect a larger percentage of the data and use you know other other numbers. Yeah, for sure. I think anybody who deals with data on a regular basis is also just inherently um, skeptical of modeling just when it's black box. You know, you don't know oh, yeah. exactly what's yeah. going into it or what the elements are. And, you know, it just doesn't well, smell right sometimes. And people that have been, you know, dealing with Google Ads have, uh, have been, you know, working with this kind of model data for a number of years now. And, you know, it comes up a lot, the idea of, you know, what is point two of a con- of a conversion? What does that mean? <laughs> right. So, right. Uh, you know, it's... Uh, it can be tricky and like, you know, I always talk about this idea of having confidence in, in your data, right? Like the when, you know, stakeholders, once they hear a certain number of caveats, then they sort of just lose faith in the data itself, yep. which is, which is really a problem. I mean, you want people to be able to make data driven solutions, but when in the back of their mind, if they don't understand all the, why these caveats are there, then you know, you get in a situation where they just don't trust the data. So for sure, we don't trust the data because we know how many caveats there are, but we don't trust it. But yet we also know that it is true in, in which ways it's true and useful. So when you have a situation where like, I don't, you know, what is this, you know, what does this modeling mean exactly? Um, what is like, oh, well, it doesn't include people act X, Y, and Z, how can this be accurate at all? And then you just sort of like give up on the whole idea of, of uh, data-driven decision-making. That's really a problem. Yep, for sure. And we run into that problem too with clients and executives who, um, you know, if you have two analytics tools on your, on your website, say you have Adobe Analytics and Google Analytics, um, and they look at the numbers and compare us, try to compare them, their automatic assumption that something's broken. It's like you have to go through that process of explaining these use different definitions. They use different models. They're implemented differently. Like, you know, it's, and it's a, yeah. Let me explain hyper log log to you. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, no. (laughs) So, yeah. But that, you know, their initial knee jerk is that this must not be accurate because they're both not the same. How do you have different reporting with, you know, tools that are on the site so yeah and that's something that uh you know and continue to be a problem and like i think segues into this time that we have of people running more people running multiple tools as you know in the day of you know universal analytics heyday it was it was ubiquitous i mean it still is pretty ubiquitous um and it was the, the main source of truth for for a lot of places now what is that like you know, if we're running like GA4 and Amplitude and maybe something else, like they're never going to match. I mean, that's just the way it is, like you say. Um, but how do we like, you know, how do we get teams communicating when they're not even like, you know, starting from the same, the same metrics? So they're starting from, you know, the same idea as if, if the marketing team is, is starting from GA4 and they're looking at the way things are defined in there and the product team is starting from Amplitude and looking at the way things are defined in there, it makes communication and collaboration really hard. And so there's, a, I mean, it's going to be going to really require a, a, 
a greater degree of of uh, education in terms of what these tools do, um, but then also, I, I would hope a uh, a certain amount of trying to extend that particular tool rather than immediately jumping to a, to another tool. Um, right, and that's something I want to you know sort of make clear with with my book and this idea that I'm reviewing a bunch of tools is. That, you know, I've always been interested in tools, and I think it's an interesting thing to talk about, and a lot of people do, but, you know, it's really more about how you use the tool, and uh, if you're running three different tools, and they're all just sort of stock installed, and you've got three different teams using three different tools, you know, you're just setting yourself up for trouble, versus maybe you have one tool, and it can't do 100% of what you want, but you've extended it and customized it for you, and all your teams are using that tool. You're just you're going to get a better result from that, and it's going to be cheaper. What um, what are some of the hurdles that you've seen for people that are used to, or or could potentially be in place, or people that are used to Google Analytics, and they want to explore some of these other tools? What what are some of the cautions that you'd have for them? It's sort of the same as as dealing with GA4, right? Like GA4 is so different than than UA, like it, you know that you sort of have to really learn a lot about how each tool is, works at a fundamental level. Like, again, depends on the tool, right? If you're moving from Universal Analytics to Pivot Pro, it's actually going to be an easier migration than, than UA to, to GA4 because it's pretty similar. Versus, like, if you're moving from, you know, UA to, to Amplitude or UA to, um, you know, PostHog or something like that, then... You know, it's going to be this is going to be more of a learning curve. I mean, I think that probably the biggest thing, as I would say, is um, is related to how you get support and how you learn things. So, no other alternative has the community of GA. So, I mean, it's so much bigger than all the others that like there's no Simo Ahava out there for publishing great content on a you know weekly basis for for a tool other than GA. Um, so if you're, you know, if you're using one of these other tools, you're going to rely more on the vendor. Um, and that's going to mean probably that you're going to want to pay. Like, you know, people have to get used to this idea that, you know, analytics probably costs money. Um, you know, if you're paying, like, money for your analytics team, you know, why aren't you paying money for your analytics tool? You know, the GA has really, like, warped our idea of how this should work, that, like, something that collects you know, billions of hits stores data for forever. Of course, GA doesn't store data for forever, but, you know, UA did, and yeah, that it's free. Like, that's like, you know, um, so you gotta, we got to adjust our, our ideas about that. And then, like, you know, if you're working with a, um, a vendor, uh, you know, that, like, that vendor, a lot of the knowledge sits at that vendor, but that vendor also is likely to give you better support than, than Google did because Google doesn't really give you any. So or is pretty non-existent for Google products. Yeah, even if you even if you're paying, I mean you get good support if you're paying for 360, you get you get good support from you know the person that, that the agency that sold you it, but you won't get anything from Google. So versus like if you get you know, if you purchase whatever, like I keep using the same examples, but if you purchase from from Amplitude, uh, you're gonna get you're going to get good support from Amplitude, and um, you know it had that one in particular has a growing, growing community, but it still like has a lot less out there 
you know, in terms of like the the recipes, the pre-built stuff, the deep dives on blog blog posts for particulars about the that that's not going to be that's not going to be around if you switch. And so, you know, that's right. you're gonna you're gonna want to pay for support probably. You're gonna want to, you know, or work with an agency that has a lot of experience with that particular platform. Um, yeah, I guess that's probably the probably the biggest thing. Now, I know that, um, you know, one of the th great things about GA, and I think that people become dependent on, is the integration with Google Tag Manager in making it easier to implement um, across different types of sites. Um, and, you know, especially with GA4, that integration is really tied into being able to use Google Tag Manager. What are What are some options for deploying these other tools that you've used? I mean... Theoretically, you probably could use Google Tag Manager for some of the deployments, but is there, um, you know, is it more of a manual process? So for all of the tests I did, I actually did deploy through GTM. Um, some of them I also uh, deployed directly on the site for, you know, sort of testing purposes and to see how it worked. Uh, right. But you certainly could use GTM for pretty much any of these. Um, you know, it doesn't have... Some of these have, uh, you know, built-in templates in in, in uh, GTM either pre-built or more likely in the community. Like, but there's you know, official. A lot of them have official ones in the community um, mm -hmm. that you can that you can use, and so you can pretty easily deploy most of these through GTM. Still, you don't get a level of integration. Um, some of these do have their own tag managers, such as like uh, Matomo. And Pewit Pro uh, have their own own tag managers that you can use to deploy it. Um, I wouldn't necessarily recommend if you're using like switching to those. Like for example, if you're going to switch to to Pewit Pro um, and you're already using GTM and you've got a whole bunch of tags in GTM, you know, I would recommend for those people that they stick with with GTM and and deploy Pewit Pro through GTM rather than switching their whole tag management uh, basis over to 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 Pewik Pro um, versus like if you don't have a whole lot in GTM, if GTM is really just your GA tags, then that makes switching over to uh, you know a different tag manager a lot a lot more reasonable. And then like some of these, sure. like like again like Matomo and, and Pewik have uh, more more and better tools available as far as things like consent management. Um, like rather than using you know an external uh, CMP, you could use one of the, these tools, built-in CMPs, and sort of have everything in the same place. Um, some of the others, like you know, more in the product analytics space, like if we're talking something like Snowplow, that's going to require more work on on the instrumentation side. Uh, you know, that can be pretty challenging to implement. Um, and I would say the same thing about. Many of the ones in the in the in the product analytics space, um, you know, and we've been talking about amplitude, and so like amplitude, you may get in a situation where somebody you know wants to switch to amplitude, um, and they drop the tag on the site, and then they expect data, and it doesn't work that way. You know, like it's you've got a you've got an instrument, you've got to build reports. It doesn't come with things out of the box. Snowplow is the same, and even more. Um, so like just you know be be prepared to 
to do some work for for instrumentation uh, if you were dealing with most of these um, most of these product analytics ones. Some of the ones do have auto event tracking, like uh, um, Postdoc has has auto event tracking. So like every you know everything that you click on is generating an event, and then you're sort of defining which events you want to do reporting on. But there's still instrumentation work in that. Even though you're not like having to define what all the events are, you're still having to say like what are the events that I want to use for my reporting. And you know, like one of the things I talk about in the book that I, I sort of like to see in theory is this idea of doing more in the data layer. So, you know, if you're using, especially if you're using multiple tools, like imagine if you're using both GA4 and let's pick a different product analytics tool, I don't know, uh, Heap, then like um and if you want to like take uh you know take these events rather than like instrumenting twice you want to instrument once in the data layer and say like you know if it's an add to cart button your add to cart button pushes an event into the data layer and then in your tag manager say gtm you pick that up and then you you know fire off whatever events to whatever your analytics tool is so like you're moving you're, you're taking that instrumentation. It's a little more work to instrument, but you're taking that instrumentation logic and you're making it uh, more uh, more configurable. You're making it more uh, independent of the particular implementation implementation platform. So, like, rather than like we think when we think of GA events, we might think of like you know the GA Universal Analytics GA. Uh, functions, right? So, you know, GA, blah, 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 to fire an event. I'm saying like, well, do that with data layer, pick up the event in GTM, and then fire that off to GA4 and Amplitude. Um, you know, I'm not sure, I haven't seen a lot of people do that. And there's still, you know, different sort of standards for like, you know, the GA data layer versus like Adobe's definitions. So right. we're ways off from that, but that's like, a way that I would like to see and, and could make you know, your implementation more tool agnostic. Talk to me a little bit about um, dashboarding and reporting. So, I mean, one of the nice things historically with Google has been its integration with Looker Studio, formerly Data Studio. Um, you know, obviously most companies have gotten used to free dashboarding and not having to go buy something like Tableau or something like that to do their... Um, you know, reporting and dashboards. It, do most of these tools have some sort of integration with Looker, or are you, they are you use it, or do, or do they have a, a similar, you know, Looker Studio type of interface that they can build custom reporting? Uh, kind of varies. Most of them do not. Um, so, you know, this is again an advantage that that Google has is this whole whole, you know, GMP and uh, Looker Studio and Looker and uh, you know, ubiquitous integration everywhere. So some of the tools, like the simplified tools, don't tend to have that. And you're, you know, if you need reporting that you're usually going to have to get it directly out of that tools dashboard itself. Um, some tools, some of the more commonly used ones do have integrations with, with uh, Looker Studio. Um, some of the connectors, like you might have to buy the connector you, know, you might have to buy like buy it from Supermetrics or something. Um, yeah. 
but uh, uh, you know, a lot of them do have those connectors, so you could continue to use uh, Looker Studio. That's probably what I would recommend for for most people. Um, for the you know the very simplified ones, if, like I would just suggest you just go get it directly from the dashboard because you're probably doing more ad hoc reporting rather than you know um, rather than creating these dashboards that you know, bring data together from three or four different places. Um, so, you know, you are, it is going to be more difficult. Um, and there isn't like, uh, you know, a Matomo dash or something that's like, some, there's not like a clone of that or anything, a, a clone of Looker Studio. I still really want to call it Data Studio. Every time no, I, I do all the time, uh, I, yeah. it's, it's taken, I've, I've had to literally consciously make myself call it Looker Studio. Yeah. Especially since the URL is still Data Studio. Oh, I thought they updated it. Is this still? I don't think so. Yeah. Um, so, like, uh, you know, there, there's, like, that's going to be a challenge, but the depending on the tool, like, if you're in um, Buick Pro that's more similar to Universal Analytics, you may not necessarily be wanting to create an external dashboard you might not need it versus like if you're in snowplow snowplow has no there is no reporting interface there isn't like a, even like a you know the reporting interface like i think i say in the book the reporting interface is an sql prompt you know there's no uh so like that's a tool for somebody that's already using you know tableau or power bi or something or they already have some sort of you know they're storing everything. Yeah, yeah. So they already have some sort of practice where they're they really just need the data collection part of the of the the ecosystem. Um, so yeah, a lot of these tools they don't really have a big impact on on the 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 dashboarding side of things. And it and and whenever you whatever tool you pick, you you will want to check to make sure that it does have that that integration. Since unlike Unlike with Google, not everything has that integration, and you aren't going to find like right. find that everywhere. Yep. All right. So I'm going to ask you a really unfair question, and and prefacing with it that most of these tools, you know, some of them have very specific applications. They're not necessarily right for every company. What are your top two favorite tools that you were working with? Uh. <laughs> So in the book, I label a few favorites per category. So I, you know, um, in the sort of traditional web analytics category, um, Pivot Pro is my favorite. Um, you know, if you've worked with Matomo, it's somewhat similar. If you've worked with UA, it will feel similar. Um, it's, uh, in the simplified area, uh, Plausible is my favorite. Um, I mentioned them before too. I use them on my own website. It's you know, it's uh, there's not much to it. Like that's like a lot of people, you know, talk about like oh my, you know, I just switched to to Fathom more plausible or whatever. Like then you really didn't need all what was in GA to start with because you went from like you know 500 dimensions to like 10. So like, yeah. you know, it's a it's a simple product, but you know sometimes simple is good, um, and. Uh, you know, I think that they've they've been doing a good job um, in the uh, in the product analytics realm. Uh, Post hog and amplitude are are my two favorites. Um, 
you know, for, for different types of, of companies, like Amplitude is more on the uh, enterprise side. If you're, uh, you know, if you're, have a big, a big website with a lot of different functions, like if you have need of the product analytics thing, um, and you've got mobile as well, and you're willing to do the work, then like, and you're interested in collaboration, like you have a, a whole team of analysts, then, you know, I think Amplitude is, is really, really excellent and really of a, you know, really a high quality product. Um, and then I like, uh, sorry, I like Posthog also in that category for, uh, say like if you're a SaaS startup and you want product analytics, uh, and some other stuff as well, like, like Posthog has other things in it, like a session recording built in to the platform. Uh, they call it like a product, uh, I think they call it like a product OS platform. So, you know, it's got not just uh, the basic web analytics and product analytics stuff, but it's also got things like, like the session recording and that, and having that all under one roof. Uh, and it's got, um, like I mentioned before, it has auto event capture, so you don't need to do a lot of work to set it up and tag things. You know, it's a smaller company and it's a small, it's a, a newer product. So that's, uh, um, maybe not the best fit if you're, if you're talking enterprise, but if you're, like, yeah, I see that as like a, a great tool for a, something in the, in the SaaS, like a SaaS startup that has a, has a product and they want to like track users through that product and then connect that to session capture or something like that, 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 that could be a really good fit there. So yeah, those are probably the, I think you said name three, I named four, but good. don't make me pick. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's like picking a favorite child or something. And if, like, yeah. Um, so you've mentioned your book. Where can our listeners um, go get it? Uh, Galternatives.guide is the URL. And that, that's our, our redirect to my quantable.com website that uh, gives you the options to buy it from Amazon or buy it from um, Gumroad. Uh, Gumroad has the ebook and... Uh, PDF versions and then Amazon if you want a printed copy. You can also get it on for Kindle on Amazon. Uh yeah, that's that's where you can get it. <laughs> well, and we will also link to that information in our when we post the video and the the podcast as cool. well. So that way people can get to that. Really appreciate you taking some time today to talk to us. This is very interesting. Obviously, this is a area that's near and dear to our heart. We're always looking at other options for our clients and for the teams that we work with. And obviously like I said, there's some frustration with GA4 right now, and, and I think a lot of people are looking at like what is out there that uh, could work for them. Yeah, you know, a uh, topic obviously that I have a lot of interest in. So it was, you know, great to great to be able to talk a little bit about it. Well, great, and like I said, thank you very much for joining us today. And we'll, you know, as as you get more data and collect other information about tools, we'd love to have you back and talk about those in the future as well. Yeah, the future versions of the book where I. Uh, you know, continue to evaluate more and more by version, you know, five, I'll be up to a hundred different options or something. Yeah, I don't right. know. So, but... <laughs> right. Especially as the market keeps going crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds good. All right. All right. Well, Thanks, thank Mark. you, Jason.